Good evening again. I'm so glad you're with us. We'll be speaking a lot from 1 Samuel chapter 26. If you uh, can turn to that with your Bibles, I, I, uh, I'm going to be talking about a place called Engedi. E-N-G-E-D-I. It's a favorite hangout of King David. He often ran there. It's sort of in a very desert, desert or desolate place. It's close to a place some of you know as Masada. But it's in an area where there's one, one place for water. It's a, uh, it's a brook that comes up. It bubbles up out of the ground. And then it comes into a, a small waterfall, into a pool that's probably 20 by 20. My wife and I have been to Engedi and into the waters of Engedi. And again, it's a very small area and covered all around you with caves. These are sandstone caves where it doesn't take much to hollow out, uh, hollow out a series of caves that are even connected. And King David, even before he was king, he often ran there to hide out, he and his men. So we'll be talking about that place, but I actually have a picture of it, of my wife and I standing in the waters of Engedi, uh, have it there at the house. This message, listening to the wrong people. Listening to the wrong people. Oh, many of us have gotten in trouble while we were listening to the wrong people. Convictions. I want to start off with this. Convictions which do not lead to true repentance only lead to harder hearts and more sin. I say that because Saul has continually... King Saul, who was king before King David... But he knew that David was his predecessor. He knew that when he was gone, David would be king, chosen by God through the prophet Samuel. Pretty much everybody knew that. And here's King Saul. He's still there, king. He was very jealous and wanted to keep, he kept trying to hunt down David uh, and to kill him. And he would take whole armies against David and his few helpers. It was an amazing thing. And it just, it just so upset David. Why was he always having to run? And when he ran, he often ran to this area called En Gedi. If you'll, if you'll read with me, 1 Samuel twenty six eighteen, He said, why does my Lord pursue after his servant? What have I done? What evil is in my hand? I need to set this up. King Saul comes to Engedi with 3,000 men. David's just got a few. And King Saul, excuse, excuse uh, my frankness, but he had to go to the bathroom. So he went into one of these caves to go to the bathroom for privacy. It happened to be the cave 
that David was hiding in. And David could have easily killed King Saul, but he, he did not want to dishonor the position of king. When God was ready, he would be king and not before. And he didn't want to take the life of King Saul, even though King Saul was so evil. I say all this because finally King Saul has done his business. King Saul has left the cave and David shows up with the bottom part of King Saul's robe, the hem, about that much, six inches maybe. David had taken a knife and cut off the bottom to show where he had been and that he could have killed King Saul. Let's start in verse 18. And he said, why does my Lord pursue after his servant? What have I done? What evil is in my hand? Why? It's something we always, all, all of us ask often. Why? And sometimes the why is not for our understanding. We have to understand that we have to understand that Saul was just a a very broken, evil, twisted man who was very jealous of young David. As a matter of fact, if you were to read this portion of scripture, King Saul's son, Jonathan, became best friends to David. They even had private plans where when David is king, Jonathan would, would be his second. So all of this has caused Saul to be very jealous. Starting to read in verse 19, 1 Samuel 26, 19. Now, therefore, I pray thee, let my Lord the King hear the words of his servant. If the Lord have stirred you against me, let him accept an offering. He's saying that if this is the Lord causing you to come after me, then I will offer a sacrifice, an offering. Sometimes the Lord is the author of our tribulations. He is the cause of our problems. He knows the road ahead. He knows that it is only through tribulation and suffering that we get strong. And sometimes he'll allow hard, harsh things in our lives now to prepare us for some battle later, some useful battle later. And the emotions, the struggles that we go through are meant to make us stronger for later. Again, verse 19. If they be the children of men that have stirred you against me, cursed be they before the Lord. David says, Saul, are you listening to the wrong people? This is an amazing thing. All parents are always blaming the evil their children get into on their bad friends. It wasn't mine. He just got caught up with the bad people, with wrong people. Well, David says, Saul, are you listening to the wrong people? If 
they be the children of men that have stirred you up against me. Cursed be they before the Lord. In Proverbs 11, verse 14, where no counsel is, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Saul had been listening to people, his, his counselors, his evil, ungodly counselors, telling him that they need to, that Saul needs to kill David because David's out to get you. Be careful who you listen to. These counselors that Saul has been listening to that says, go get David, these counselors, they had a private agenda. They knew that once Saul is gone and David is king, they're, out, they're without a job. And they kept telling Saul, you got to kill this David. He is against you. And David is saying, stop listening to these people who are telling you this. It's an amazing thing when you figure some of the people we listen to who have an influence on us have a private agenda, a secret agenda. They have a reason for what they say. Usually it's very selfish, private, and self-centered. That Proverbs there, Proverbs eleven fourteen, where no counsel is or no good counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there, are, there is safety. Each one of us need to have a few people we trust. Each one of us to bounce ideas off of, to have them pray with you, prayer, prayer warriors, asking them for their wisdom and advice, but be so careful who you choose to listen to. It is listening to the wrong people that gets us into so much trouble. Wow. We see here Proverbs 15, 22. Without counsel, purposes are disappointed. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Around me, I don't want yes men. I want... I want men and women around me that, that I can trust, that their godliness, that they have an unusual look. They have fresh eyes on things. And I just, I just want that for you too. I want you to establish people that you trust, godly people, people who are in the word that will help you listening to the wrong people, causing you to listen to the right people. Again, verse 19. If they be of the, the children of men that has stirred you up against me, cursed be they before the Lord, for they have driven me out this day from abiding in the inheritance of the Lord, saying, go serve other gods. David had run away from Jerusalem, from Bethlehem, eventually moving his own parents away from Bethlehem. His enemies were going to try to kill them. David has not been in church now. He hasn't been to the temple to worship. And 
Uh, he's missing the church so much, so often. The fellowship of believers. There is something to be said about all of us having the same purpose and drives in our life, sharing life and purposes. David was missing that. All he had around her, him were warriors, good warriors, kind warriors, warriors that loved him to the death. But he wanted to be back in church. Wow. You're keeping me from living in the inheritance of the Lord, the temple being the inheritance of the Lord. David said, Cursed be they that because of their influence and lies have kept me from worshiping in the temple of God. What? Yes, cursed be they that because of their influence and lies have kept me from worshiping in the temple of God. We kind of have that today with so many things going on, even I call it the Corolla virus so I can remember it. They've kept us from worshiping together. Winning families, having a great youth and children ministries. We were... Most of the churches had to shut down. I praise God that we were able to, during the duration, be able to share the word of God with you through live streaming. Imagine how hard that would have been if we wouldn't have been able to do that. Wow. The importance of church. This comes down to, why are you hunting me down? Because of the lies people have told you? He's speaking to Saul. Why you're keeping me from going, going to temple? What are you doing going to church? The church, we are going to enjoy being together so much. Worshiping God together. Helping one another, influencing one another, encouraging one another. That's church. Learning the word of God together. That's church. Joining our voices together. Our dreams, sharing our dreams together. That's church. Church is the body of believers. Well, for David, it was so important. He couldn't be there because of the armies of Saul, and they were large armies. Importance of church. Hebrews chapter 10, if you'll turn there. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. First of all, he says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, letting nothing cause us to waver. Let us hold on to, on to, on to Christ fastly, hard, hardly. Let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering. For he that is faithful... For he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto good, unto love 
and to good works. We need to constantly be reminded to love and forgive, love and serve, love and forgive, love and to care for. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to do good works. And then verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. That's saying, I don't need church. Yes, it's there, they're meeting, but I can do this at home. I can do this on the creek bank. I can do this up on the mountain. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves forsaking the meeting of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching, the day of Christ, the day approaching. First century Christians, the writers literally felt that Christ was going to come back in their lifetime. He didn't. Oh, but the second century Christians, they thought that Jesus was coming back in their lifetime. He didn't. Oh, but the year 2020, Jesus is going to come back. We don't know. I hope so as we see the day approaching that we live our lives assembling ourselves together, serving God, and who knows if wouldn't it be just a glorious thing for the rapture to happen during our church service and no one would be left behind or those few that might would be left behind to go through the tribulation. But what did it say? Not forsaking the, assemb the assembling of ourselves together June 21st, Father's Day. We are still trying to get you to answer the surveys that we put out on our websites to find out how we're going to meet, how, if we're going to have one or two services. We're going to try to have children's ministries through them all. How we're going to have Sunday nights, Wednesday nights, how we're going to do that all. We're still we're still looking at that and examining your, your replies on the survey. But June 21st, we are going to have church. Don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Listen, listen. Get up June 21st, Father's Day. Give dad a tie or whatever else you're going to give him. Have that have the, but dress up and come to church. Put on your perfume and cologne. Wear your mask if that's what you want. And come to church. Don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. As the manner of some is, even in the first century, some forsook the assembling of ourselves together. So remembering that, but exhorting one another. And so much the more with the exhortation to encourage as we see or live for the day approaching. Back in 1 Samuel 26, 20. Now, therefore, David says, let not my blood 
fall to the earth. He's still speaking to Saul, who's trying to, been trying to kill him, but David has shown him that David could have killed him. So watch this. Now, therefore, let not my blood fall to the earth before the face of the Lord. For the king of Israel is come out to seek a flea, a dog flea, a cat flea, as when one does hunt a partridge, a pheasant, a turkey in the mountains. The king of Israel. Wow. The king of Israel, he's coming to find me. I'm, I'm nothing. I'm not important right now. It's, it's your time, Saul, to be king. It's not mine. I'm not taking that away from you. I'm not usurping your authority. What I'm doing is to protect my life. But the phrase that caught me, caught my eye, right there, right there, before the face of the Lord. Do you think David knows something some of us don't? David's son, Solomon, wrote this about the face of the Lord. Watch. The eyes of the Lord are That's a wonderful verse, by the way, to have your children memorize. For us to live everywhere we're at, whatever it is we're doing, the eyes of the Lord are everywhere beholding the face, beholding the evil and the good. I'm sorry. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere beholding the evil and the good. King Saul, about King Saul, convictions which do not lead to repentance only lead to harder hearts and more sin. King Saul, in this little meeting, said, Oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, David, I'm so sorry. You're so much better than I am. You're so much more righteous than I am. I will leave you, I will leave you alone. Just a little bit later, the people who he were, he, King Saul was listening to, his evil counselors who would lose their jobs when King David becomes king, they kept telling him that David is out to get you. He will try to kill you. He wants to be king now. King Saul continually, he forgets about his promise and his conviction convictions which, which do not lead to true repentance only lead to, to harder hearts and more sin. Apply that to your life too. Have you ever been convicted of something? You made a promise to God you're going to stop. You repented. But when you go back and do it again, it leads to a heart. It's harder to convict you the next time. First time, your heart might have been softer, but now your heart is harder and harder and harder. Proverbs 29.1 says it this way. And when you think of Proverbs, you're, you're, really, you're really thinking about, you're really thinking about David's son with Bathsheba. 
Solomon wrote this. He that being often reproved hardens his neck shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. Proverbs 29.1 Paul says it like this in 1 Timothy 4.1 The Spirit speaketh expressly that in the later times, and that's now, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits. Even what's going on on our TV right now, seducing spirits are involved in that. And doctrines of devils, I know, let's not even have police. Lawlessness will reign, but that's right. It's part of the end time prophecies. It's part of what Jesus said is going to happen. Matthew 24, 12. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly. In the latter times some shall depart from the faith. Don't let that be you. Giving heed to seducing spirits. Wooing and weighing and trying to get you to leave Christ and Christianity. Leaving your morality behind and doing what everybody else is doing. Joining them in doctrines of devils. Wow. David had questions. In 1 Samuel 24, 9, David said to Saul, Why? Why do you hear men's words? Sing, Behold, David seeks thy hurt. I have said this. I have said this so often. Leadership. Leadership and fellowship. Be careful who you listen to. Be careful who you follow. Leadership and fellowship. We have, we have people in our church that have tremendous leadership skills. People are just naturally attracted to them. So many times they're using their leadership to lead people astray or to at least magnify themselves. Those that have leadership skills should be leaders for Christ. Some don't have leadership skills. If you don't have leadership, you are accountable to who you follow. Who you follow. Be very careful. If you, if, if you don't have much leadership in you, you were, will still be held accountable and your life will reflect who it is you followed. Whose teachings? Christ whose teachings, the Word of God, who you follow, you will be held accountable for. Why do they lie? Why do leaders lie to get your attention? They have private agendas. Some, some are just so twisted. Saul was twisted. He was character challenged. He had flawed people around him. 
lying and cheating and misleading, misleading him. In 1 Samuel 26, 18, David says, Why does my Lord pursue after his servant? For what have I done? What evil is in my hand? Why? Listen, David was just more folk. We've been talking about David lately, and uh, we talked about David and Bathsheba and the sin and the consequences and how the sword will never leave his family because of it, how his child would die. Everything that was prophesied by Nathan the prophet came true. David was just more folk. He had disappointments when, if, if you knew the story, and maybe we will get to it, but Israel wanted a king. Israel wanted a king like everybody else. Well, God wanted to be their king, but Israel wanted a, a, a king that was a man, a physical, and they chose someone, the tallest in the land. We don't know quite if, if Saul was 6'4", six, 6'6", six, six, but he was the tallest. He grew into the position of king, but God's choice for king was a little shepherd boy who had strong, imposing, teasing older brothers. David, David's only leadership was among the sheep, protecting them. But David's leadership as a, as a shepherd was out there in the fields. He spent his time, his, his time talking, praying, and singing to God. And God loved it. But David is just more folk, just like you and me. He had expectations. He had disappointments. And the, Sam, the prophet Samuel was told to go, go to uh, David's home and check, out, and check out Jesse's sons and to anoint the one that he told him. Well, the one that, the one that was supposed to be chosen was out in the fields. Besides, he's the baby of the family. So they never expected anything like that. And they brought David in. Samuel says, he's the one. And he poured his oil on David's head, anointing him to be the next king. This isn't what David signed up for. This isn't what he expected. I am sure there were times when he he thought, I was better off a shepherd boy in the fields. And then I show up and this, this giant Goliath is insulting God. I had to stand up for him. Well, God the Father loved that. That this youngest boy on the, on the uh, battlefield is the one that killed Goliath. But this isn't what David expected so many times. We end up having things in our life happen that we didn't expect. Surprises, disappointments, expectations not met. That's what David had. And now he's hiding. But this is something David wrote. My times are in thy hand. Thy, my times... God, are in your hands, God. 
Deliver me from the hand of mine enemies and from them that persecute me. Be careful who you listen to. So many people are privately, secretly twisted inside. They're flawed, character challenged. Make sure the counselors, the friends you listen to, are Word of God. And I say this especially to our, our teenagers, some graduating from, from high school, some from college. I say this to you. Be so careful who you listen to. Don't listen to the wrong people. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, again, I feel like I've done my best to warn these people. Lord, even now they might look at their life and, and they might ask themselves, who's influencing me? Who's guiding me with wisdom, their advice? And who's their source? And Lord, if there's someone, if there's someone out there who would say, hey, I am listening to the wrong people. I need to listen to you, God. And from right now, from starting right now, I want to listen to you and your people, to be influenced by you and your people, Lord. Oh, Lord, I wish we could just sprinkle your protection upon our children. We do our best with our children, and then we have to turn them over to the world. And their friends and sometimes teachers are going to influence them to stop following you. God, please protect our, our children. Please protect them. Give us wisdom for preparing them for that day. Lord, please help us all to be careful who it is we allow to influence us. And Lord, please bless these leaders within our church with wisdom and guidance, with self-sacrificedness. And Lord, please bless these followers in our church to have at least the wisdom to follow the right people and to follow you. Thank you, Lord. We love you. So much is at stake. In some cases, our destiny, our eternal destiny is at stake. Lord, again, help us be, be the leader, the pastor, the shepherd of our church as we, soon be, as we will soon be opening up our doors to the congregation. Bless them, Lord, I pray. Bless, bless this church, Lord. Lord, help us to do that survey that's online. Survey that we, we need to have so that we can make the right decisions. Lord, it's in your hands. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen.